Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning, everybody. I hope you've had an inspired week. I hope you have. Seriously, I want to remind you that we have an inspiration board out there this week. And that's the board that the bulbs are on. And the idea of the inspiration board is that when, uh, that when you are inspired, remember inspiration is a three-part journey. We're going to talk about this a little bit next week because each of us struggle with one of these three parts typically. It is about hearing what God says, trusting what God says, and then doing what God says. And sometimes we'll get one of the three, two of the three, uh, but the truth is we need all three. And in some small or big way, when you are inspired by God, when something of God ignites something in you, and you hear God, again, by faith, you trust what He says, and then you begin doing it, we want you to grab a bulb and put it in there, uh, because inspired uh, inspires. The scripture says in Ephesians 5, everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And so when you listen to God, you um, take the light of God and you become that light in some small way. It might be something, again, don't discount small. Remember that the whole salvation story began in Bethlehem, a pretty small beginning. So don't discount small. And, and I want you to see that light. We're going to actually put the inspiration board up on the wall and have it for a while. When you see that light, I just want you to think about the light. Think about inspired and, and maybe even pick out your bulb and remember to use that as a reminder to, to stay inspired. Because that's what we're going to talk about today is staying inspired. The scripture says, uh, remain in me in John fifteen four, and I will remain in you. And I want you to hear Connection. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So we're talking about connection and how vital it is to be connected with, uh, with the Lord and, of course, with, with one another. And the only way that, that inspiration works is that we have to go to the source of inspiration and be impressed and, and be inspired, and we have to make a choice not to run from it, but to move towards it, and to be proximate, and to be near, and when we are near enough the inspiration of God, guess what happens with us? We are inspired, and something of God, aw, <laughs> I want to set the place on fire as Pastor John has done. He did. Pastor John Smith set our stage on fire. And I'm not talking about his preaching either. (laughs) He does that regularly. I'm saying the burning down the house. But we digress. We have to remain with the Lord and remain connected. And so I want to, as we talk about a steady, uh, 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 you know, connection with God, as we talk about living an inspired life, I don't want to set up this idea that every moment is going to be an emotional high. And that every moment is going to be an easy moment and that every moment is going to be, um, you know, just continuous. So, so what I, I want you to know today is that to, to stay inspired, you have to be with again. And that may sound like kind of an odd phrase, but I want to unpack it. And before we're finished, I think, I think you'll get it. 
to stay inspired, because that's, that's the goal, is that you and I live inspired lives, that we stay inspired. And the way that we stay inspired is that we are with, again, God, over and over, day by day, moment by moment. And I want to talk today uh, to try to take inspired out of just the realm of theory. Last week we looked at the life of, of Saul, and that's what inspired looks like in the life of Saul, and what, what, what hearing and trusting and doing looks like. We want to look today in the life of Elijah, one of my favorite Old Testament stories. And I'm going to ask for a little bit of extra grace you to work with me because I, I, there's a lot of scriptures, two chapters that I, I want to uh, kind of help us to get through. So um, I, I want to share that with you and I want you guys to hang with me uh, because, because it's such an inspiring story. It's a story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel. And it is an inspired story. So everybody got it? Let's say it with me. To stay inspired, one more time, to stay inspired, be with again. And the reason I share that with you is because, again, I want you to run a sustainable race, and I want you to know that inspired isn't a steady state. Inspired isn't something that is like a fire and forget uh, missile that, you know, you can launch it and, and great. So I'm inspired of God, now I'm good for life. No, you're good for that, that moment, you're good for that hearing but uh, the sun will set, the dawn will come, and, and, and your need for God will, will arise again. You breathed yesterday, I'm proud of you, you're going to need to do it all day today. And to be with the Lord and to be near enough to, to be inspired is, is an ongoing return into the presence of the Lord. And to be inspired once is not the same and does not mean that you are inspired forever. When we run from the light, here's a brilliant statement, we run into the dark. Wow, Pastor Drew, we are so glad that the church called you as our pastor. But here's the deal, when we run from the light, we run alone into the dark. And no matter how many people we're with in the dark, we're still alone in the dark. That's what the nature of hell is going to be. We are, hell is a place of ultimate aloneness and, and, um, and isolation and lightlessness. There is no light in hell. And so even though there will be people there, it will be alone. And, and so we can run to the party. We can, we can turn to all kinds of things to face the stress and the pain of life. But unless we simply turn to God and hear the whisper of his love, and trust the touch of his hands and obey the, the call of his, his will unless we remain proximate and with God, then we are, are running alone into our, our own dark. In a minute, we're going to read um, that the prophets of, of Baal and Asherah, all 850 of them, danced all day around an altar that they had made. And I just want to tell you that that's what we do when we don't accept God's loving invitation to forgiveness and embrace, to healing and hope. And so I I would just want to say to all of us who are here from all over the map, everybody here has pain and has hurt, but you can have hope in your hurt. And there are some of us here who are in pain and and are hurting who have no hope. I want you to hear the Father's call to you today to say, come and be with me and let me love you. 
And for those of you who have walked with God and, and you've been faithful and you've obeyed him, uh, I, I just want to say to you that it's not enough for you to, to rely on and depend upon where you've been in the past that God wants you to come and be with him again. So much so that something in God ignites something in you and you become light in the dark and change the world in some small way. The inspired of Elijah is, is amazing. And, and let me tell you the big story. The big story is we're set somewhere, Ahab became king somewhere between 869, 874 BC. Nobody really knows. Um, but, but a long time ago, and it is a, a dark period in, in Israel's history. Israel is divided into two countries, really. Now, technically, there's Israel in the north with Samaria as its capital and, and Judah in the south with Jerusalem as its capital. And that's normally what we think of Israel, but oddly enough, that's Judah and Israel's in the north. And, and oddly enough, even though these are the people of God and God did all these amazing things to inspire faith in them, oddly enough, inspiration isn't a steady state. And... And oddly enough, life happens and oddly enough, we get scared and we run from God and we get arrogant and we, we want what we want and we do what we're going to do and we leave God behind and that's the whole state of the culture in, in this period. Probably now, we're, we're probably talking somewhere around 860 BC, some, somewhere around there. Elisha's the prophet of God and Israel is not hearing God's voice. They are not trusting God. They are following the Baals and, and Asherah. Asherah uh, was, was a, a common thing in Old Testament. It's called syncretism. It's to mix things together. And, and a common thing was for, for the people, quote, of God to, to look around and take the other, you know, incorporate culture into their faith so that their faith was kind of, you know, diminished and... and so they would make Asherah, who was a female deity, they would make him God's wife. Did you know how God, God had a wife? Good, because he does not. And I want to just be sure on Facebook, you know God doesn't have a wife, right? But, but they would literally, you know, try to demean uh, the I am and bring him down to the level of the other gods. And here's the deal, everybody was buying into it, except for one person, Elijah. And so this is the story as we, we, we come and Elijah is inspired by God. He's listening to what God says. He's trusting what God says. You know, because often I'll hear what God says in some muted form or fashion, but I don't trust it. And crazy enough, there are times when I hear what God says and I'll do what God says, but I'm not happy about it. Anybody been there? <laughs> you know, I'm grumbling and griping. And, then, and so, I, you know, I got the first and the third, but I don't have the second in terms of trusting. Elijah is inspired. He has been with God. Nobody else is. You know, everybody else is going with the flow of crowd and culture. But Elijah has been in the presence of God Almighty. He has seen over the mountain. He has seen into eternity. He has looked back in the past and believed that all that God had done in choosing a people for himself, in parting the waters, in feeding his people on manna, in making water flow from rocks in the desert, that God was God, that the Lord was God, and, and Yahweh is his name, and he was inspired to act on God's behalf. And so he challenges Ahab, whose wife is such a lightless character that nobody, I shouldn't say that because somebody somewhere has done this. Almost nobody 
almost everywhere never names their kid Jezebel. And of all the words that you might want to call your wife or your girlfriend, that's not one of them, right? Uh, not a woman you're bringing home to mama. And, and Jezebel had killed off all the prophets of God, literally in culture. And everybody was okay with that. Everybody's like, okay, whatever. Things dumb down when God's people are not inspired. That's where we are in 21st century America. And I want to say again, the hope of our country is not in the Senate or the House or the White House. The hope of our country is in God's people listening to God's voice, trusting God's voice, and obeying it in the name of Jesus. That's the hope of our country. So Elijah challenges um, Ahab. And, and he comes and, and, and says to, to, to Ahab this. You have abandoned the Lord's commands, Ahab, and followed the Baals. Now summon people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And in 1 Kings 18, verse 19, he says, Now bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Bring it on, is what he's saying. All 850. I don't know if you've ever felt outnumbered in life. You know, um, uh, there's been a few cases where, where I have, and, and 850 to 1. It's crazy. No, it's inspired. So Ahab, I like the odds, right? Vegas would take this. Um, Ahab sent word out to all of the people of, of Israel and assembled all the prophets on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel had special significance. This was God's mountain. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Make up your ever-loving minds is the translation. And here's what the people said. Nothing. A collective shrug from the people of God. I just want you to get a sense of how low the state of inspiration was among the people who claimed God's name. And, and, and I, again, I want to suggest to you that inspiration matters. You are not plan B in, in the, the design of God. You are not second string. You are not up in the stands as we talked about like in the Super Bowl. You are God's plan to continue the redemption of the world through Jesus Christ. John 17, 21, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I, I want you to, to, instead of you, I want you to, to, to say, you know, to yourself, Jesus, you're sending me. Yeah, he thinks highly of you. He has equipped you. He has he has forgiven you. He has empowered you. Everything that you think you lack and all of your can'ts are, are consumed by the inspiration of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And you can if you'll hear and trust and obey. How high our inspiration rises, how much of a revival or a movement of God, the kingdom of God happens in in. in you know, the mid-Atlantic region, it depends on how inspired you are. But inspiration is not a steady state. And the tendency is to be inspired and then not for long periods of time. 
The tendency is to, to look back in the past and, and see something as distant and irrelevant and continue to live just what everybody else is doing around you. But inspired Elijah is, is forcing a choice. And then Elijah came to them in 1822 and said, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Well, he, we find out later he wasn't quite right, but that's the way it felt. Get two bulls for us. And, and then he begins to set up the contest on Mount Carmel, God's, God's mountain. Um, and sacrificing a bull was a standard way of worshiping it. And basically what he says is, we're going we're gonna to have two bulls here on the mountain. Cut them up and sacrifice them, um, and, but don't light the wood. Put wood under them, because the normal way was after it's ceremonially um, you know, sacrificed and, and, and ritually laid out, then we'll light wood under it, it'll be consumed, and the smoke will go up to God, and it'll be an acceptable offering. But he said, don't light it. And then we're going to call on the name of our respective gods. And we're going to see who's really inspired. We're going to see who's really real. You call on your gods, and you go first, and then I will call on my God, and, and then we'll see who's God. And, and listen to the courage of the, of the people. Um, verse 24, you call on the name of your God, I'll call on the name of, of the Lord, the I Am, and the God who answers by fire, He is God. And then all the people say, what you say is good. Doesn't require any faith, <laughs> right? Doesn't require any listening. Doesn't require any trusting. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, okay, after the battle's won, you can just agree that the battle got won. And the people say, yay, this sounds good. So then Elijah begins the journey. And, and I want you to use your imagination if you can. I, I've tried to imagine this scene, and it's, it's kind of chaotic in the movie in my, my little head, you know. Here they are on, are on Mount Carmel, God's mountain. All of the people surrounded, we don't know how many tens of thousands all of the priests of Baal and Asherah arrayed in their, their you know, garments and all of, of everything they can do to impress. And, and early in the morning, they begin calling on the name of, of their God. Now, what's in a name? We've all heard that phrase, right? Well, I want to tell you everything is in a name. Your destiny is in a name. And whatever name you choose to call on will determine your destiny. Uh, you can be egotistic and proud and call on your own name and say, I'm going to depend on me for life, okay? You just chose your destiny. You can call on the name of some man or some woman um, and, and put your destiny in their hands. That'll be your God for you. Because whatever you turn to in your pain and in your need becomes your God. It can be money. It can be pornography. It can be your addiction. Uh, and we can be addicted to many substances. We can be addicted to approval. Uh, we can be addicted to rank. We can be addicted to power. Um, shopping can be an addiction. Food, d d dare I go there? You know, it's my comfort. I'm in pain. I'm hurting. So I'm going to turn to the refrigerator for my comfort. Well, you say, well, that's not a bad move. It's not a turn to God. Whatever move Satan can get me to make, you to make, that is away from the Lord, that is not focused on him, that is not near enough to him, that something in God ignites something anew in us, then he has achieved his goal of keeping you separate and keeping you worship your equivalent of the Baals and the Asherah. Does that make sense? Some of y'all looking at me. Look at me funny. What's in a name? I, I, there, just real quickly, 
I don't understand. I, I was an Old Testament guy because I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything. I was in Bible college, not having had time yet to learn all the names of the, the, the books of the Bible, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I majored in Old Testament because it was such an amazing, you know, vast horizon of, of, of the character of God. One of the, the sweeping panorama revelations of God in the Old Testament is about the name of the Lord. And so just pay attention to that theology as you read the Old Testament. And you'll see that there is, there is some of the deepest theology of, of, and the mystery in, in the name of the Lord in all of Scripture. There's something in a name. That's why even in Revelation, the Scripture says God's going to give believers a white stone with a new name written on it that only you and God, it's God's pet name for you. That's so cool. And so I'm, I'm telling you, to be inspired means that we learn to call again and again on the name of our Lord and on the name of, of Jesus. To stay inspired is to be with again, to turn again, to call on again. And so the contest begins, the, the offering is set, and, and they begin to call on the name that they are trusting in. And again, I want you to think about what do you practically turn to when you are in pain, and I don't just mean physical pain, I mean like when you're hurting and, and the emptiness and the wrongness of the world, you know, washes over you and you just feel there is just something. If you're ever just still and quiet enough, this is why many of us are never still and quiet enough, because you just feel that something's wrong in this world. And wherever you go from that moment, whatever you turn to is your God. That name is your name. They called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Some of y'all think we have long worship services. We do not. Relatively. Some of y'all have been to part of traditions. I mean, I have been. You've been to two and a half, three hours. is not a long time for worship. Any of y'all been there? All right. There you go. Eight o'clock in the morning. The prophets of Baal and Asherah are calling on the name of, of, of the Baals and, and of Asherah. Calling on his name so that the fire will fall. And people will see who's really inspired. 9 o'clock, 9.30, 10, 10.30, 11, 11.30, 12. And then Elijah, inspired by God. 1 Kings 18.27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy. Now, I just want to give you a little nuance from Hebrew here. Um, from somebody who's taken a lot of Hebrew and is not very good at it, okay? Uh, I did my dissertation, uh, in, in, and I'm just telling you, um, you know, not, not good. Um, a lot of work. Elijah really gets kind of personal, and, and, and there's a nuance in here that, that, that is really insulting. Um, okay, so... Maybe he's deep in thought. So there's the God that you're calling on all morning and, and he's distracted in a way, lost in thought. Or he's busy doing something that's more important than your life. Or he's traveling. Well, between these two nuances, there's the idea that he's actually on the john. I'm serious. That maybe your God is in the outhouse and he's relieving himself. And when he's done, he can get back to your life and pay attention to you. Um, maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Ouch. Again, this is 850 to 1. And, and inspired Elijah is doing this under the watch of a king who has killed 
all the rest of the prophets. Do you get his courage, his inspiration? He has no swords. He has no guard. He has nothing. He is around people who have murdered everybody else who is like him. And he's standing up taunting them to highlight the unreality of their turn. There is no God to whom you are turning. There is nothing to what you are turning to. What's in a name? Our destinies. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears. Can you imagine how frenetic and frenzy it began to be around, around one o'clock? I mean, they are dancing and, some, and they, are, they are literally cutting themselves and bleeding to show their dedication and their sincerity. You know the cliche is quite possible to be, to be sincere, totally sincere and sincerely wrong. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophecy until the time for the evening sacrifice. Okay, so we're talking from 8 o'clock in the morning to somewhere between 3 and 6 o'clock in the evening. They've been calling on a useless name. And listen to this, but there was no response and no one answered and no one paid attention. This is crazy. And, and then the phrase that, that, that just kills me after 1826, and they danced around the altar that they had created. I've done that. You've done that. Determined to make it work without turning to the Lord your God. Angry and mad, tired and discouraged, turning to something near rather than a God you thought was far, we dance around the altar that we have made, but nobody listens, nobody hears, and nobody answers. Inspired isn't a steady state. It requires an initial turn followed by a continual return to the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And if you're here today and, and have never turned, I want to challenge you to call on the name of Jesus because I promise you he will save you to the uttermost. And if you're here today and, and honestly you're not living an inspired life or you were but don't know why you're not, well, to be inspired requires that you, you turn again and again and again, to be proximate with God. Remain in me and my love in you. And when you hear God say, I love you, that's not enough. You have to trust that it's true. And you have to trust that it is so true that it means more than anything else and that it is enough. The love of Jesus is enough to heal every pain and wound and answer every unknown and, and hurtful thing in your life. And then when you're hearing Jesus say, I love you, and you're trusting and, and then beginning to get, because when you trust, something grows inside of you. The faith the size of a mustard seed is, is increasingly powerful. It will inspire you to act, to do something. To be inspired. All you have to do is be with again. And so, Elijah lets this thing go on all day and then he says, hey, leave them aside. Come here to me. And what a, what a wah, wah, wah moment that must have been for all the other prophets, right? 
because it's, 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 it's like, you know, the, that moment when you're the center of attention, then everybody walks away, you know, you go, hey, wait a minute, guys, come back, come back, come back. And everybody just walks away and it's like flop sweat and, and you know, and, and then you're turning and watching what the other guy does. Elijah rebuilds the altar because it had been destroyed. People are so uninspired and so far from God that nobody kept the altar of God on God's mountain, Mount Carmel, in, in shape. So Elijah rebuilds the altar um, with the stones. He goes through the ritual sacrifice. Again, this is in the evening time after all day of calling on a no-name God who, who did not answer. And, and then he, he puts the wood underneath it and, and then we join in verse 33 and, and 34. He says in verse 33, fill four large jars with water and put it on the offering and on the wood. Now, up, this was a new thing. This was not a part of ritual sacrifice. You did not pour water on the wood you were gonna use to light the sacrifice. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. And then he said, do it a third time. And a third time they poured water, so much water that it ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, Yahweh, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. He was inspired. Being near the story of God, he recalls all of his story, history of God. And it's not irrelevant history. It is present tense defining reality. That's what faith does. Faith takes the story and the truth that you read here and it integrates it into the present, into real life, into your struggles, your pain, your, your heartache, your hurt, and every hopeful word God has said to anyone becomes the word to you as well. Lord God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord, listen to this, you are the I am, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. You have not forsaken them. You have not abandoned them. You're not treating them uh, with, with resentment. You're not shaming them. You're welcoming them back, inviting them back. You are inviting them to turn away from the altars that they have made and, and, and wasting their time and, and hurting their lives. Cutting started a long time ago. And come and be with me and, and trust me and follow me. That's the invitation here. I, I mean, the inspiration of God comes in some form of seed or whisper or prayer to Elijah and Elijah inspires the people of God and then, and then as though God were inspired by his, his own heart and will, the scripture says um, that the fire of God fell and the Lord burned up the sacrifice and the wood, which we would all expect but also the stones and the soil. A fire hot enough to, to, to consume rock. And when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, the I am, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah turns the tables and the prophets who had, who had um, you know, taken over uh, the, the people of Israel are taken over and, and routed. Man, what an inspiring story. Amen? Any of y'all inspired? I'm serious. 
you know, uh, 2,700 years of, of history have passed, and it is still an, inc- uh, an amazing, inspiring moment, one of the most inspiring moments of all of the Old Testament, of, of anything you read in Scripture. Man, you'd think Elijah from this point forward is just rocking with God, walking in his will, obeying him, and, and everything is just fantastic, because that's the way inspired works, right? No. Inspired isn't a steady state. You have to be with again. And just because you were inspired doesn't mean you are. Verse chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods, she's still trusting in them, these non-answering, dancing around the idol uh, all day, these gods that they had made, She's still turning to them, and we are stubborn and do the same. Our addictions, you know, our our lusts, our our insanities, we, you know, Proverbs says, as a fool, as a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to its folly. This is us. I know it's a gross, but it's scripture, okay? (laughs) May the gods deal with me ever severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that, like one of them. In other words, I'm going to kill you. And listen, listen to what happens next. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. It's crazy how quickly we leave inspired. And the point that I'm trying to to make with you is to to encourage and call you to live in inspired uh, by turning and returning to the Lord God and being in his presence until you are ignited again over and over and over again for life. Because the idea that I could just obey the Lord and be good for the rest of my life means that I think that that it's actually me who's doing this, not him. You see, if I have a vacuum cleaner and I'm vacuuming here, um, you know, I guess I could think that, you know, with the cord wrapped up around it, that I'm the power and I'm the reason it's working. But it's not working because it's not plugged in, right? I lost you. And when we imagine that we can trust God in some way, and, and, and sometimes we get a little pompous about it. Yes, I've trusted God. I know. You may know, but it doesn't mean you're, you know, you're, you're inspired now. Just because you were inspired doesn't mean you are. And you could have been highly inspired as Elijah was and then fear and fatigue will will cause you to run alone into dark and wild places. And that's right where many of us are here today. Fear and fatigue kills inspired and inspiring. It's crazy how quickly we can leave behind inspired. Fast forward to the New Testament to illustrate this truth. There's, There's, you know, Peter... And, and people are misinterpreting who Jesus is in all kinds of different ways. Some saying you're Elijah, some saying you're somebody else. And who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then two verses later, what's going on? Get thee behind me, Satan. You have the things in mind of men, not of God. And in Matthew uh, chapter, chapter 8, uh, the, the scripture tells the story of the disciples in verse 25. They're, 
They've been with Jesus and they've heard him speak inspiringly all day long and he's asleep in the back of the boat and they hit some rough water and they, they, they come to him and whine, don't you care if we drown? Yeah, right, guys, I called each of you and I've walked on water and I've fed, you know, the multitudes and I've raised the dead and I did all that so I could lead you out to die tonight. Good, good interpretation. God's gentle grace invites us back. Love invites us back. And the beautiful thing about God in in the last part of this story is that that Elijah gets to the place under a broom bush where many of us have been and some of us are. He sat down under the broom bush and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. What does he mean by that? They're all dead. Then he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. Now God, and this is what we expect him to do, God at that moment could have come to him and said, you knucklehead, I can't believe you. Did, did you not just see the fire fall? Did you not just see me change um, Hebrew history? Did, did you not see the rocks get, get consumed? But God didn't do any of that. All at once an angel touched him out in the wilderness, dark and alone, and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. With the gentleness of of the heart of God and the toughness of the heart of God on display, crucified on a cross, I just want to tell you guys, the journey's too much for you. You can't handle it on your own. You have to, you have to turn and call on the name of Jesus. And then you have to remain in Jesus and live in his love and his love in you. Day by day, moment by moment, yesterday's faith is, is no good. The question I have for you today is, will you turn And will you return and be with again? Elijah goes on in his journey and and God kind of confronts him and is tired and is discouraged and and he says this to him, why are you here? Why are you where you are? That is one of the deepest questions that any of us could ever ask in our brokenness in our discouragement, in our, our fear, in our defeat, in our fatigue, why are you here? And we'll give a lot of excuses and we'll blame a lot of other people. But hear me, in love, we are all where we want to be. We are all around the altars that we want to be. The altar of God in Christ Or some know-nothing altar of a do-nothing God who will fail us and not only fail us, will make us cut ourselves on the way to our own misery and death. I'm asking you today to call on the name of Jesus if you're here today and you never have. To hear Jesus say, I love you and have loved you with an everlasting love. To hear God say, I sent my son to die for you on the cross. That if you will believe in him, you will receive the gift of everlasting life and you will never perish. 
I need you to trust that and I need you to act on it and follow through for your whole life, beginning in baptism and then the rest of your life, day by day, moment by moment, to live in in abiding love in Jesus Christ, calling again and again and again on the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So I want to ask you here today, have you ever called on the name of Jesus and trusted his love for you and, and left your own wilderness and idols and turned to Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior. If you have not, I'm asking, I'm begging, I'm inviting, I'm encouraging, I'm trying to do everything I can to get you to make this, this life-changing choice. And for those of you who have made that decision in the past, how long, oh Lord, how long has it been since you've been with God. I mean in a deep enough way that it's changed you, moved you, that you've been still long enough that you could actually hear his voice speak to you. The last part of Elisha, I don't have, the story I don't have time to read, uh, God calls him out on, into this other mountain and, and, and God appears to him and, and, and there's a wind that, that tears rocks off of the mountain and God's not in the wind. And there's an earthquake around him. You know, I, God, I want you to speak to me. Give me an earthquake. And we're looking for all these big things. And, and there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then more fire falls. Well, we've seen them, what that does, but God was not in the fire. In the end, the scripture says, the Hebrew says he was in the thin silence. Whatever that means, I don't know. <laughs> we translated it as still small voice, but God was in the thin silence to whisper to the listening ear. How long has it been since you have authentically turned to the Lord and called on his name for the needs of your life and your pain and your hurt and your fatigue and your feelings of hopelessness under your own broom bush? Today, it's time to turn. And that's what I want to ask you to do. I ask you to stand ask you to after standing, for those of you who choose to, and there's no judgment here, we all are in different places, but I'm gonna ask that you would make a move and, and come and just be with the Lord and listen to him and make this your altar of turning, inspired and with. Let's come. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. As we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.